Welcome to Essentials and Balance. Essentials and Balance was written and produced by John Cackley. So today's topic is giving permission to fail. When you're coaching your team, do you give it permission to fail, maybe without realizing it? I was in a meeting at work uh, some time ago, and someone raised a pertinent question. Should the software development team be more focused on fixing issues that are already out there, impacting customers, or on developing new features, which was sensibly their primary job? According to the person asking the question, it wasn't possible to do both at the same time and do the, do the job satisfactorily. The executive in charge of answering questions like that began his answer with, I don't want to give anyone permission to fail, before basically saying the objectives were equally important. As you can imagine, this answer was not popular. You know, you've been on a team like that, you are faced with a, a problem, and you want a recognition that you have a problem, and you want someone to solve it for you. And you're thinking, what's management for if it's not out there solving my problem? Uh, so from the point of view of the person asking the question, it was a reasonable request for clarity on priorities. The resources had not been provided to deliver on both demands, so some way of making a decision, an assignment of priorities, was needed. Instead, the answer was a classic management answer, weighing the beauty of the and versus the tyranny of the or, and ignoring the physical constraints of both resources and time. In a case like this, however, if the request was not asking for permission to fail, it was asking for permission to put responsibility for success on someone else. Underlying the question was an implied threat. We've told you we can't do what you want, and you haven't done anything to help us. Therefore, we're going to fail, and you need to tell us where you want that, where you want that to happen. I think I was the only person in the room who understood and appreciated the answer. Uh, it came from, or my understanding came from, uh, sometime years ago, in my early days as a manager, when I was on a team working in Las Vegas. That might sound really cool, but have you ever gone to Las Vegas to actually work? It's really, really weird. We had to take people off the project who had developed gambling problems. Never had that problem in Sydney, Ohio. Anyway, people were working long hours, my usual hours were 8 a.m. to midnight, and hoping we could wrap up every Friday so we could fly home for the weekend. On one occasion, people on my team had been asking about whether they could go home, and I went to talk to my boss about it. You can't make that decision for them, he said. If you do, then their success is your responsibility, not theirs. The point was that if I said people could go home, I was implicitly accepting whatever progress they'd made toward their objectives. Uh, if they hadn't made it, then it was my fault, not, not theirs. So as a manager, it was actually my job to stick to the objectives, and it was their job to meet them. And that was the point of not giving permission to fail. In today's modern high-tech entrepreneurial times, most of us still want nice, neat boundaries around our jobs. Just tell me what you want, goes the reasoning, then I can do a super job at it. But when you give someone a well-defined box, it's on you, when they don't step outside of it, to take care of something nobody expected. So let's think about the flip side. Am I giving bosses, you know, project managers, team leads, supervisors, am I giving them carte blanche to make unreasonable demands, putting on the worker bees, the uh, responsibility to sink or swim on their own? I don't think so. The permission to fail comment was fine as far as it went, but it needed to go further. If the team felt they were facing a damned if we do, damned if we don't decision, then it was up to them to come up with a different question. It's like that line in the movie Speed. Pop quiz, hotshot. Airport. Gunman with one hostage. He's using her for cover. He's almost to a plane. You're 100 feet away. Shoot the hostage. Take her out of the equation. Okay, so how do you change the equation? You dig into the problem and find the real issue. You ask a different question. Uh, or as the project manager's responsibility, you make the team ask a different question. In our original case, the problem wasn't that someone had dumped a diverse set of demands on our team and had failed to establish clear priorities. The real issue was that the team that was supposed to fix problems in the product wasn't doing a very good job of it. As a result, the fixed team was always going to the development team for help. The development team then felt under the gun all the time, and being conscientious, felt like they couldn't say no. 
The question they needed to be asking then was how to help the support team, or maybe how the project management, the project structure, you know, how they could support the team. You know, what could be done, not just by the development team. In this particular case, that was no secret. Everyone knew it was a real problem. Unfortunately, the team made assumptions about responsibilities and empowerment and concluded that actually solving a problem that lay outside their boundaries wasn't permitted. That's why they'd ask for permission to fail, rather than for permission to solve the problem. Denied permission to fail, guess what happened? Well, to their credit, they went back, figured out a solution to the problem they really needed to solve, and involved people on the other side of the boundary. Given permission to succeed, they went out and found a solution to their problem. Thanks for listening.